This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The basics of the tax reform plan that the White House wants to bring forward were revealed by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and Chief Economic Advisor Gary Cohn. The gentleman met with the media afterwards talking about a variety of issues within this plan. But what they laid out was basically just a basic format with still much work to be done. To take a look at this plan, we are joined by Michael Knoll, co-director of the Center for Tax Law here at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, He joins me in studio. And on the phone, Jim Hines, Jr., who's co-director of the Law and Economics Program at the University of Michigan. He's also research director for the Office of Tax Policy at Michigan's Ross School of Business. Michael, great to see you again, as always. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Great to have you on the phone with us today, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jim, start with you. The general reaction to what you heard yesterday from Mr. Mnuchin and Mr. Cohn. It was uh, many of the... Proposals that they laid out yesterday were things that were talked about during the campaign uh, for the presidency. And they've got the same uh, issue that the campaign uh, proposals had, which is um, enormous tax cuts, enormous revenue loss, and uh, therefore, if you actually enacted that stuff or even a portion of it, ballooning deficits for the uh, federal budget. Michael? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with all of that. Um, though I would see see it also as, as since this is tennis season, as getting the ball in play, just sort of a serve and beginning of negotiations. But clearly so far there's almost nothing in terms of revenue raisers and a lot of cuts. What is the reaction that you're hearing uh, out in the public a, a, as well, Jim? Uh, sort of the same. I mean – Look, uh, tax cuts are attractive, of course, and tax increases the opposite. So that's why when people run for president, they're always campaigning on tax cuts, and they're never campaigning on tax increases. But uh, the problem is you've got to pay your bills. And, right. you know, uh, you can run up a big credit card debt, um, and that's more fun than paying it down. But, uh, you know, there's... Uh, it just doesn't add up. And this clearly doesn't add up, and members of Congress know it doesn't add up. They've tried to come up with clever ways to uh, raise revenue you know, in less painful methods, but uh, the difficulty is there really is no painless way of getting revenue. So what, what do you think needs to be uh, put into play here uh, to try and make s- some sort of plan work where it can benefit the consumer, it can benefit the, uh, uh, the corporations, but also not run up the deficit? Look, part of the problem you've got is you have to decide what your priorities are. And uh, members of Congress for years have, in a roughly bipartisan way, agreed that business taxes are too high in the United States. Even President Obama recommended lowering the corporate tax rate to 28% from its current 35%. So there is an acknowledgement that business taxes are too high. One way to address that would be to have a business tax cut, but then you need to finance it with some kind of other tax increase or spending reduction. Um, That's not going to spread a lot of joy to voters. But it's, it would make the economy more competitive. But a lot of uh, companies, and maybe I shouldn't say a lot, but there are companies out there that are already paying less than that 28% rate to begin with. There are. But if you look around the world, those, in other countries, they have lower rates. And they've got credits and deductions, too. 
mm-hmm. it's not like they you know they don't have it every time an american company merges with or acquires a canadian company or a british company they become canadian or british they never choose to be american if they have the choice it's because the us you know uh has the least competitive tax system in the world right now. So is the hope, Michael, then by by making some of these changes that you make these corporations more competitive and you can start to get some of them taking up U.S. residency instead of being in Ireland or being in Canada or wherever it may be? Well, that's certainly the hope for part of these changes, but that's really focusing on two, reducing the corporate rate and moving from a worldwide to a territorial tax system, basically not taxing the foreign income of U.S. corporations. But there's a lot more here that isn't going to have anything to do with the location of corporations. Such as? Such as repealing the estate tax, changing personal tax rates, eliminating the alternative minimum tax, at least for individuals as opposed to corporations. Um, They're not on this issue. Um, at, at all of where corporations are based, that's a way of trying to more broadly, in the administration's view, stimulate the economy and grow it. Right. Uh, but clearly, reducing personal taxes and you know extremely likely to raise the deficit. Well, let, let's let's dig into a couple of these things. And first, one which obviously has been talked about a lot was. Uh, the the trimming down of the number of different tax brackets for personal uh, for per, for consumers out there, taking it from seven down to three, and making those brackets ten percent, twenty five percent, and thirty five percent. By doing that, first, is that in your mind, Michael, an effective, a potentially effective plan? And if they do that, what ends up being the impact? Well, the first thing we don't know is we have no idea where those brackets are right. going to. Be located. So, how big of a cut is it versus um, how how much is it simplification? There's not a lot of complexity from whether it be three rate brackets or seven brackets. So, I think it's really a question of what the distribution is here, right. and it's just a guess without you know any indication of where they want to set those brackets. Jim, oh, I completely agree. Well, then where would where would we potentially see those brackets set up? I mean, are we talking the 10% bracket is up to $100,000 of, uh, of uh, annual income and then 25% is from 100000 to two fifty? I mean, is there a ballpark number you think that it would probably be in anyway, Jim? Well, they're talking they're, – uh, for lower and middle income people, they're talking spreading the joy by – doubling the standard deduction. Right. Um, and, you know, you will get some tax relief there. I mean, look, the problem is it's tax relief for everyone and everything in this plan. And um, it just, the numbers don't even begin to add up. So uh, I, it's hard to know even um, how seriously to take these proposals. It is, you know, like Michael said earlier, it is like, you know, getting the ball in play. And, um you know, they talked about this stuff during the campaign, and now they've said it once in office. And so, you know, you're saying, all right, we're at least reasonably serious about wanting to do some of these things. Obviously, it's Congress that has, you know, that's in charge of taxes, ultimately, and uh, Congress has to do it. This will put pressure on Congress uh, to get uh, things moving. But there are going to be a lot of disappointed taxpayers out there because you can't do 
much more than you know a fraction of what they're talking about without crazy deficits. And Congress is not going to go for the crazy deficits. Michael? Yeah, no, I agree. Congress isn't going to go for it. There's some voices that are still pushing for it, but I think not at all in the Democratic Party. And I think those are even minority voices in the Republican Party. So. Yeah. Well, one of the big areas that was also uh, mentioned and has been talked about for a while is repealing the estate tax, which is obviously for for some people out there uh, a a way for them to be able to save a lot of money uh, because uh, of the uh, of the passing off of property, income, whatever it is after uh, after death. Oh, absolutely, and 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 one aspect of this proposal, my understanding of most times when administration comes out with a proposal, they're not as rushed. And it's much more developed. And it's more supported in terms of a first public presentation here. So not only do we not have any sense of offsets in terms of the dollars and cents, but but even any indication as to sort of how these things are going to be put in place. And our the goals going to be sort of achieved and the tax and the rest of the tax system protected right or in essence um, so so for example in terms of the estate tax the idea is get a, rid of the estate tax but also get rid of the step up in basis you know there's kind of a logic in terms of what's going on we're mm-hmm. sort of offsetting one tax by raising in, in effect the second tax basically the income tax you know, no indication at all if that is what's going to happen or, or not. And so are we going to even riddle the tax system with more opportunities, which is certainly what the critics would suggest? Right. Or, you know, are they really going to think these things out and try to make for a more coherent system around these principles? We're joined here in studio by Michael Knoll of the University of Pennsylvania on the phone with Jim Hines, Jr. of uh, Michigan University, University of Michigan. 844-WHARTON is the number if you'd like to join in and ask a question about the uh, potential for tax reform here in the United States. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at Biz Radio 111, B I Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney 21. Uh, there uh, are are so many pieces to this, as you mentioned, Jim, that you know are still much up in the air. Uh, I think you you said you were of the opinion that really this is something that okay, it's nice, but until we really get some hardcore data, some really some some nuts and bolts here, we can't really do much with this. No, it's that's true. Uh, we, you know, obviously yesterday's announcement was very short on specifics, and tax law is mostly about specifics. You know, you were asking about the estate and gift tax a minute ago, yeah. and um, here's the thing: if the Trump administration was really serious about abolishing the estate tax or you know death tax as they call it, um, it's not that they can't do it. It that. Those taxes raise about $20 billion a year, roughly, and you can, you can find $20 billion a year to replace the money with if you are really serious about this thing. But abolishing estate and gift taxes is a heavy political lift. Even though it's popular in a lot of the country, it's still, that's a lot of work, and you have to figure out an offset. And they would need to focus on that. Um, but that's not what they've done. You know, it's one of many provisions that all got tossed out at once. And so in the absence of focus, uh, it's going to be hard to get any of this stuff uh, actually put forward. I mean, part of, the, 
part of the background here is that there was a great big tax cut in 2001, and that tax cut was basically extended by the Obama administration, except for very high-income people. So we are still living with the benefits of that 2001 tax cut on the individual side. Mm-hmm. The individual rates you know, were lowered by the Bush administration in 2001, and that was repealed, but only for high-income people. So most of the taxpayers are still getting this benefit. To layer a tax cut on top of that is really a lot of cutting. And uh, I get why it's popular, but the problem that the Trump administration has got is that the American taxpayer has gotten used to enjoying the low tax rates that they got courtesy of the 2001 tax cut. And um, now they, you know, now it's hard to cut them further. Uh, I think in order for these folks to actually make progress, they've got to get much more specific and probably a lot more focused. Well, one of the things that was uh, discussed yesterday is also uh, uh, the cutting of deductions. And obviously part of that is is linked uh, to the standard deduction uh, being doubled up and the fact that this could have potentially, and again, a lot of this is kind of supposition at this point, this could have an, uh, an effect on people's retirements, right? their retirement savings and, and and the money that they've been stowing away. And it's coming at a time where people are, are you know, just slightly trying to rebuild from what they lost during the during the recession a few years ago. Right. The one of the things they are protecting or the proposal would protect is the retirement accounts. Yeah. So you would still get deductions for money put into retirement accounts. What I understand wouldn't be protected would be state and local taxes, yeah. which cuts a big issue between high-tax states, mostly Democratic, and low-tax states tending to be more Republican. And... Healthcare, because one of the big deductions that we get is for health plans. And if they really mean to eliminate that deduction as well, when, you know, they still haven't figured out what's happening with healthcare, um, I think that only is going to complicate that issue even more. Jim? I agree. You know, a lot of the, it's, it's easy to say we're going to eliminate deductions. When you actually look hard at a number of the deductions that are out there, I don't know if you want to eliminate them. I mean, you really want to eliminate the casualty loss deduction? You really want to eliminate the excess medical expense deduction? I mean, are these things, um, most of these are there for good reasons. And, um, you know, I I get it that you can't have lower rates unless you give up on something else. But the problem they've got is, you know, they're they're proposing implicitly anyway to eliminate popular deductions. And they're still not getting anywhere close to recouping the revenue. And the impact, the overall impact of, of this for the consumer out there listening to us, Jim, ends up being probably minimal in most cases, correct? Well, this doubling the standard deduction will help a lot of taxpayers right. you know, if they actually do that. And lowering the rates, of course, would help a lot of taxpayers. But again, we're kind of we're bordering on fantasy land now. Um, for that matter, if you make the business tax system more competitive, maybe you won't get laid off your job. You know, maybe you'll get a better job or a higher wage. I mean, uh, it's if you make the tax system better, it actually helps people. Right. Uh, and conversely, if you make it worse, it hurts people. So it does have an impact on people. It's just having a lot of chatter about completely infe- infeasible tax plans probably doesn't help anybody. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a very good point. Um, and, you know, earlier on, there was more 
hope that we would get something much more comprehensive in detail, sure. not that that would necessarily go through without changes, but that we could be talking about all of these pieces rather than offering uh, you know, cake to various groups out there. Right. And that's ultimately what it's going to take to do um, some kind of serious tax reform at the end of the day. Well, it seems like, Jim, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I was thinking about this the other day, that it feels like what they're trying to get to uh, is a point where they are getting consumers to spend more in general across the board. The more the consumers spend, the bigger the bottom line is for the companies, and then that 15% number or 18%, 20% number, whatever it ends up being, ends up growing because of the amount of, of revenue that they are bringing in, and hence alleviate some of that uh, that issue with uh, with lower uh, with lower taxes. No, and you're right, and it would alleviate some of it. The problem is that it doesn't alleviate anywhere near enough of it. Uh, that's that's the difficulty. Um, would a tax cut, you know, a, a smart tax cut, would that stimulate the economy? Yes. Uh, would a business tax cut, you know, lead to business expansion? Absolutely, yes. Um, but is it enough to actually pay for itself? Absolutely not. Right. Uh, that's the problem. Michael? Um, you know, I mean, that's the problem. And to some extent, Americans have become, American public in general, not necessarily members of Congress, have become comfortable with the idea of cuts and lower taxes. Right. And the rhetoric about, oh, we will grow out of it, is, becomes sort of dangerous and appealing. When you know, no one I think seriously believes that that is going to happen. That these cuts will, even to the extent smart cuts, will grow, but they right. won't grow enough to pay for. Well, let's shift over to the business side for a couple of minutes, uh, Jim, and the bringing the corporate tax rate down. Uh, the the story, the narrative that was brought forth uh, and has been for a while is a way to be able to make it more attractive for businesses to, to be able to keep business here in the United States, but also for the small and medium-sized business, for them to be able to develop, and also for entrepreneurs to be able to build out businesses. With, with these early ideas, is that something that actually could end up occurring in, uh, down the road? Look, those are all lovely, uh, would-be lovely outcomes. Right. And and smarter tax system can promote those outcomes, but the... Uh, the trouble you have currently is a lot of the country's business are not corporations. They are LLCs or subchapter S companies or partnerships, things like that. And they are taxed under the individual income tax. And so in order to provide them with more favorable tax environment, you have to cut the individual income taxes. And as Michael noted earlier, it's still not clear exactly what they're doing on that side. They did say yesterday that they want a separate regime for these you know, LLCs and subchapter S's and partnerships. But, um, but here's the problem. How do you do that exactly? I mean, their one-page document doesn't constitute the hard work that you have to do to try to figure out how to distinguish an employee who, you know, makes himself an LLC right. versus, you know, a genuinely small company that, you know, is the kind of thing that they're trying to offer more favorable tax treatment to. Uh, that is a heck of a lot of work. They really, they just have to roll up their sleeves and do the hard work. And and then, as Michael said, then we can look at the proposals and you can start then having some discussions and arguments about yeah. them. 
I mean, we've had that. The House of Representatives sort of started that ball rolling with their House Blueprints plan last year, where it was a business tax reform idea that they actually laid out some specifics. And so that led to discussion. It also led to opposition. Right. But um, but at least, you know, that's sort of the hard work that you have to get going. There's a lot of hard work ahead in just trying to figure out how you're going to tax these small businesses under any kind of reform like the one they were talking about yesterday. Your comments on tax reform and the ideas uh, laid out yesterday by Steve Mnuchin and Gary Cohn are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. We'll have the Twitter account open right here in the studio. We can bring up your comments and we can discuss them on the show. Again, 844-942-7866. If you're not able to get your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, can I add a word on that from what Tim yeah. was just saying? Yeah. Um, you know, I absolutely agree. It's going to take a, a lot of work. And the work at the end of the day, might not even be possible. Right. It's been a few years since I've practiced law. But this is the kind of thing accountants, lawyers, very much sort of would draft their way around. Right. You draw lines and you create big differences on small margins. There's a, small, there's a strong incentive to move across that margin, right, to take right. more out in profit and less as wage income. And there would be tremendous pressure if we're going to move from a system of 35% versus 15% sure. if I'm yeah. an owner and getting a piece by virtue of being an owner. And that will be a tough line to police because I think it's going to, unless somebody has a really creative solution, it's going to be very fact-specific. The, the other piece to it is also, Jim, uh, the repatriation. And that was something that has uh, obviously been a, a hot topic lately. And again, you know, the idea is great, but until we know what that rate is uh, that uh, companies will be allowed to repatriate funds at, we really can't uh, can't move a lot forward on it. The repatriation proposal, you know, the idea that you would have a one-time tax on the earnings that are currently held abroad and then allow the companies to bring it back without any additional tax um, – that idea has been floated around for a while. In yep. fact, again, President Obama proposed a version of that also. Um, it's usually meant to accompany a reform that also has moves us to a territorial system so that we would, you know, henceforth not tax foreign income and have more favorable business treatment in general. And, of course, the uh, president's plan did have those features in it, too. But, you know, the one-time tax is uh, sort of... Uh, probably isn't going to go as a standalone thing. That'll only right. come in if they also do you know, more extensive business reform at the same time. Right, exactly. Uh, Flint, Michigan, we go. Maria is on the line. Maria, go ahead. Hi. Um, I'm hope, I hope I'm able to articulate this question appropriately. So I have a scenario just with the, with the tax reforms that are um, um, being proposed right now. I'm wondering if there's any foreseeable future of being able to avoid capital gains tax if you're going to use that stock uh, cash in and you know you're gonna gonna use it for education for uh, for a um, dependent so for example my first daughter I cashed in all my corporate stock and basically rolled it into a checking account and been writing checks throughout her college career and now I have a second daughter who's going to be coming of age and I'm wondering if I stall 
that maybe Trump will have something down the road that, that I won't have to pay all those capital gains. So all right. what, what's your take on that? All right, Maria, who would like to take that? Michael, Jim? You know, uh, Maria, uh, when your daughter goes to college, you know, we have a really good college right in the state of Michigan that she should consider. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> We have several, actually, but uh, I was thinking of one in particular. Wait, wait, Jim, is, the, is, is this a commercial all of a sudden? <laughs> Go blue. Right, exactly. Blue. Right. Uh, you know, on the capital gains, look, remains to be seen what Congress will do with that. There is a lot of sympathy for uh, educational expenses, um, but, again, we're so thin on detail, you know, with this proposal, where it would actually lead – Here's the problem. The way the proposal is currently crafted, it doesn't seem headed in a direction like that, in that um, they're trying to get the rates as low as possible, and usually you have to sacrifice your other objectives in order to do that. Uh, and one of the objectives would be to make, you know, to have the kind of favorable capital gain treatment that would make higher education more affordable. Uh, so the way the proposal, you know, kind of came out yesterday, it doesn't look that promising. However, it's Congress makes these rules, and it'll be up to Congress going forward what they want to do. I think they are sympathetic to people in your situation, but um, but I don't think you can count on it. Michael, you want to add it in? Yeah, no, I, I agree. They're certainly quite sympathetic, but I wouldn't even know if that would be a major push that they would elect in terms of pushing back against Trump's proposals, right. wanting to keep things whether or not something in terms of college education, something new in terms of college education would be there, um, I, I unfortunately would not be all that hopeful on right. that that would come. Maria, Sorry. Maria, thank you very much for the for the question. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much as, as well. Michael, appreciate your time. Uh, Jim, it's always a pleasure to have you. I'll make sure that when we have you on the next time, the, the other guest is not from Ohio State because we don't we don't want to have any any arguments. But thank you very much, Jim. It's always appreci uh, appreciated to have your uh, your knowledge on the show. Thank you. You got it. Jim Hines, Jr. from the University of Michigan. Go blue, uh, and also go Quakers. and go Quakers for Michael Knoll from the University of Pennsylvania. Great to have you as well. Thank you, Michael. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.